she said, I don't think you'll sing professionally, which was an absolute killer for me. I then took that as, as verbatim. It was like, okay, that's what she said. She's the expert, so I'm going to believe her. I'd always go to the negatives of things, whereas now it's like, I can do anything. Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to? It's not just by chance. They're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the Power of Storytelling podcast. Welcome to today's show. I'm really excited about the conversation that we're going to have today because it's all about fresh beginnings, starting again when you have the end of one chapter, but the beginning of a new chapter. And I think that it's so important that we recognize when a chapter is coming to the end, but also as much as the reflection period and everything else that we realize that the new chapter can in fact become even better than the previous chapter that you've been through. So I'm delighted that I am joined today by property and lettings expert, Sarah Walker, who's also the founder of Lessons in Lettings. Hello, Sarah. It's great to have you with us. Hi, Nicola. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. We're going to talk all about the end of one chapter of your life, going into the new chapter. You've always worked in property. You've always had that love of property, but lettings in particular. So talk to me about why lettings in particular is such a a kind of thing for you that you enjoy, that you're the expert in. How did that kind of come about? I have been an estate agent for 25 years and um, had my own estate agency for 15 of those years. But the letting side of things really spurred on from the lessons in lettings, wanting to teach landlords and letting agents a better way of doing business rather than being quite ruthless and um, being all about business, really came from when I was a child. We um, we moved about um, quite a bit and we lived in one particular place when I was about eight or nine years old that was rented. And the electricity meter, we, we had an electricity meter and, and the meter ran out of money and it was quite late one evening and we couldn't get to a shop to, to, you know, the shops were all closed and the landlord just didn't care. He was like, oh, you just, you just have to wait. It was in that moment of kind of being, you know, sort of cold and dark and just that feeling of being a child and being frightened and and feeling like the person who was supposed to be there to help us just wasn't and they didn't care. And it wasn't until many, many, many years later that that was the kind of, ah, that's why I don't want any family to feel that way. I don't want any child to be in that situation. So how can I use my 25 years of experience to teach people how to do it in a better way? So it's kind of come from there, really, in a roundabout sort of way. And it's come full circle, hasn't it? Because it's now about educating other landlords so that they don't do things like that. They don't leave a child sitting there freezing cold because 
they can't be bothered. It's having that duty of care that I think is so important. And that will transform the whole industry, won't it? Yeah. I think there are so many people out there teaching property as an investment and coming at it from the point of view of it being a business. And that's all good and well, because yes, you know, there's options of of stocks and shares and and, um, all sorts of ways of making money, making passive income, making semi-passive income. But for me, when it comes to people's homes, this is really important that you get it right because it's not just about you as the owner of that property making money. You have to remember that you are providing somebody with their home and the essence of home is that's where everything stems from. Home is where the heart is. We've heard this, you know, home sweet home. Um, Everything that happens at home then filters out into the rest of the world, whether it's children going to school, people going to work, in their communities. If people can have a lovely home, that's going to improve things for, for, you know, make the world a better place, really. The majority of people now can't afford to buy their own home to create that themselves until they're well into their 30s, late 30s now it is, I think, the latest statistics. By then, people are getting married, they've got children on their way. So it's not like the old fashioned kind of, oh, you're only renting in your early 20s, like having a flat share when you first come out of university or something like that. People are actually building their families in rented homes. So it's even more important that landlords go that extra mile and don't leave like those children in the cold as, as, as I was back when I was that little child. So yeah, so teaching people how to do it in an ethical, nice, sustainable, you know, just in a nice way, you know, that there is a way of doing it and going above and beyond. Yes, there's legal contracts. Yes, there's a law that is is behind all of this. But doing things from the standpoint of, of it not just being about, well, the law says, is another way of having those kind of conversations. And I think a lot of people get stuck. They get stuck and they're like, oh, I don't know how to how to communicate with, with the tenants if I don't say this is the law. But the way that the tenants then receive that information, if you come at it from the point of view of the law, you're going to get the heckles up. You're going to get people's backs up straight away. So just teaching people how to do it in a much, much nicer way and creating nice places for people. Like you say, our homes, there are safe spaces aren't they they're like the places where actually we shut the door and we can get into our kind of like our kind of like leisure suits and everything else and just sit down and like um and just chill and be ourselves so yeah you're right it's a hundred percent so important and I think for families as well it's that foundation that, you know, built from love and everything else. Now for you, Sarah, as well, I know that you've had quite a seismic shift. I talked about it a little bit in the introduction in terms of ending one chapter, beginning another. And that came with a relationship breakdown, but also finding yourself again (laughs) by taking yourself on a massive adventure. Tell me a little bit about that adventure and what that has actually led to as well in terms of lifelong friendships. Yeah. Oh, Nicola, it's been amazing. So when my marriage broke down, I not only had, um, unfortunately, you know, left the family home and left my marriage and left sort of a family, 
um, as in in-laws and things like that. But I also had to leave the family business because we owned an estate agency together. And that meant that I not only had to sort of set up my own new home and, and all that sort of thing, but I had to set up a new career When I was thinking about the divorce finishing and finishing in the business, I wasn't ready to jump into something straight away. I knew that there was just, there was something niggling me that I just had to go and sort of shake it off and just kind of, you know, this has been 15 years in, in, in a business and in a marriage together. And to be all, to be honest, three years of quite a sort of traumatic dissolving of of the relationship and sort of getting to an agreement in the divorce. So I took myself off on a very, very, very long walk, which started in the south of France and went across the Pyrenees into northern Spain. And I hiked for 35 days to the um, cathedral at Santiago. And it's it's quite a famous walk called the Camino de Santiago. There was a film made with Martin Sheen about it a few years ago. It's originally a pilgrimage, it's a a religious pilgrimage for um, Catholics. Um, But in more recent years, lots of people have decided to do the walk for most kind of spiritual reasons or personal reasons. And my personal reason was just to walk it off, (laughs) walk off the divorce. The first sort of few days was was really grueling. I mean, walking across the Pyrenees was really, really, really tough. And about sort of 10 days into the walk, I developed the most horrendous cold and cough and flu-like symptoms. I mean, I literally was just streaming, you know, everything was, and I think it was the purging of some sort just kind of coming out. Um, and just as I was starting to feel a little bit better and on my day before my 49th birthday, 20 days into the walk, I met um, two girls. I mean, I live in London in the UK. And one of the girls I met was from Colorado, Denver, Denver, Colorado in the US. And the other one was from Melbourne, Australia. I mean, if you think about it, London, America, you know, Australia, the three corners of the earth. I mean, how the universe kind of did this, I don't know, but they threw us together. Literally within minutes, we were just the best of friends. And we just carried on walking for for the last sort of 10, 12 days of, of the hike. And it was just so wonderful. Suddenly I was starting to feel better from my from my horrible flu-like symptoms. And just really, really enjoyed this kind of walk to the end. And it was a lot of laughter, a lot of tears, a lot of all all sorts of emotions. And just to share it with those two girls was incredible, absolutely amazing. And then later in the summer, I then spent a couple of months traveling Southeast Asia with my 15-year-old daughter. And whilst we were kind of going to Vietnam, Bali and, and, and Thailand, we thought, well, what the heck? Why don't we just jump on a plane and go to Melbourne, Australia as well and go and see Cass? So we we did that, which was just incredible. And then next year, Cass and Rachel and I are going to do another Camino walk. And this time we're going to start off in Portugal and do the Porto route, which is um, it's about 12 days. So it's a lot less than 35. I mean, still 12 days of hiking, kind of 20, 30k a day is quite a lot. But for us, it'll just be a, a walk in the park. I'm hoping, (laughs) or a walk by the sea, which would be, yeah, it'd be wonderful. What I love about that is you, like you say, you set off and you were in one 
place. You were in one kind of frame of mind. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Like, you know, the cold and everything else, that was literally all of the stress and everything else coming out of your body and your body processing everything as it was going through. It's the fact that you have made these two lifelong friends and you're very, very close because I think sometimes you can have an experience like this and you meet people along the way and you become good friends and then things happen and then they drift or they move away or whatever else. I mean, you guys couldn't get further apart if you tried, you know, <laughs> no. London, Melbourne and uh, and um, America as well. So I think the fact that you have stayed in touch and they like you are like best friends now, mm. I think that that's so, so special. What does that mean to you now that you're embracing this new chapter of your life you've started your new business you've set everything up how you want to as well and you're trying to help other people realize that actually lettings and the whole lettings world needs to have a degree of integrity there needs to be that integrity at the core of it now that you've got that friendship, what does that mean for you? Oh, it's opened up the whole world. What it is, is I'm sort of saying yes to to things. Nothing is limiting me. Whereas I think previously there would have been like, oh, I couldn't possibly do such and such, you know, oh, you know, I'd always go to the negatives of things. Whereas now it's like, I can do anything. I can literally do anything. What is stopping in my way? There's no reason for me to say no to anything at all and just see where things take me, you know, see where the next thing thing is. And that I've found is so exciting. It's really, really exciting to just be saying yes to stuff and, and not be afraid. In a way, then you could say that your last chapter to this new chapter has now become the best thing that ever happened because oh, 100%. it is it's a shift in you, like a shift, like you've completely changed in terms of your outlook. You're kind of open to that possibility that um, anything amazing could happen at any moment. And I love that when we really embrace that. Now, I know that when mm. you were growing up, she knows what's coming. When you were growing up, you used to be uh, a really good singer. And now after having parked that side of your personality for a long, long time, there are new things coming, aren't mm, they? Talk me yeah, through that one. Yeah, it's it's a funny one, actually, Nicola, because I'm right at the beginning of dipping my toe back into this. So even talking about it publicly, it's scary because the thing is I can't say to you, yes, and this has happened and now I'm X. It's like I'm just starting this. And actually, it's really scary because... I could fail at this. I could be told, actually, you no good. And that is a really scary thing. But I think since doing the walk and, and saying yes to lots of things, it's like, yeah, so what? And actually, if I do fail at this, then at least I've given it a try. And I think the reason, okay, so let's sort of spin all the way back. So I used to sing with the National Youth Choir when I was a kid. I was like 14 years old. I had the voice of an angel, I had this most beautiful sort of singing voice. I got um, all the sort of main parts in the school plays. And every time there was a concert, it was, like, oh, Sarah, the singer, Sarah will do the solos. You know, it was all that kind of thing. So a bit, a bit of a big fish in a little pond up in the Lake District. And then when I had, I think I was about 16, 17, I had my tonsils out and my singing teacher at the time 
when I went back to see her after having my tonsils out, she actually said, They've, it, it's taken the edge off your voice. And she said, I don't think you'll sing professionally, which was an absolute killer for me. I then sort of took that as, as verbatim. It was like, okay, that's what she said. She's the expert. So I'm going to believe her. So I never really pursued it after that. But every time I sort of sing or, or, you know, even on the Camino sort of humming and singing along and the girls were like, oh my God, you're, you're amazing. This is a just gorgeous voice. Sing for us. And they used to call me Poppins, Mary Poppins, because I'm British. They call me Poppins and they'd sing, 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 you know, we'd sort of sing all these sort of silly songs. Um, but yeah, sort of getting my confidence back through that, through singing. And then earlier this year, um, I went to sing again with the National Youth Choir who had their 40th year anniversary. And they asked um, the alumni to go back and we all sang at the Royal Albert Hall. And it was just wonderful to kind of be in that space again. So now, I don't know what it was, but a few weeks ago, I was like, why don't I just go and do some singing? Why don't I just look up some choirs? You know, I live in West London. There's going to be some choirs around here. So I put in a couple of applications to join a couple of choirs. I'm not going to say which ones because I don't know which one I might possibly get into, if any. And then I reached out to a singing teacher. I went to see him like literally last week, sang a few sort of scales and arpeggios, did did a few sort of voice um, exercises for him. And he was really, really complimentary, which I just thought, wow, you know, so building, I'm building up this confidence slowly. So now I've got to learn to sight sing again, which I don't know whether I'll be able to do it. But anyway, I have an audition for quite a prestigious choir in February. So I've got, to, I'm going to have a, a few, about six weeks to, at the time of recording now, I've got about six weeks to, to learn and practice how to sight sing. And yeah, we're just going to see where this takes me. You know, I might come back on and say I didn't make it, but I might say I did. So (laughs) we'll just have to see. (laughs) That's part of the whole journey, being open to what could happen. Because we don't often, we don't know how things are going to happen. But if we don't try and we don't put ourselves out there and we don't say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to go for this and then see what kind of, comes about as a result of it, you will never know. And I'm a firm believer that actually give it a go. If it doesn't work, that's fine. But at least you know that you've tried and you're not going to have regrets at the end. Absolutely, Nicola. You've absolutely hit the nail on the head because as I was kind of doing my research about these things, I was thinking I'm doing this because I don't want to look back when I'm an old lady and think, I wonder, I just wonder whether I could have done that again. And actually whether, whether even that singing teacher, when I was 16, 17, saying that she was wrong, maybe, I don't know. That's why I'm doing it. I don't exactly, it's exactly what you said. I don't want that regret. I don't want to be looking back. So yeah, we're just going to have to see, aren't we? (laughs) But that's incredibly powerful right there because it's that taking that someone tells you, oh, you're not very good at that and you take it to heart and Mm. it stops you in your tracks or they say to you, oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you because that's not going to quite work out. And you think, oh, oh, okay. And then you don't. And I had a really, it's like a classic example of this. I always remember I was on the way 
when I was working in corporate, I was on the way to an awards ceremony. It was a very prestigious PR awards ceremony. And the project that I'd worked on was up for an award and everything else. And I was really excited with the team and everything else. And I was talking to uh, someone that I was managing at the time. And she had a background in publishing. And I said to her, do you know what? My ultimate dream would be to become a children's author. I've always wanted to write a book and I'd love to become a children's author. And my boss at the time piped up in front of the entire team and went, you're never going to do that. (gasps) Yeah. So, but the thing is with me, the thing is with me, and I think this is really important for so many of us to take on board. If you tell me that I can't do something, I dig my heels in and I do it anyway. Mm. And, you know, we hang on five books down, down the line, (laughs) (laughs) four of those are children's books. And it's, and it is, it's about that. Either you take it on board and you Mm. go, okay, or does that other person, do they have rightly or wrongly, a hidden agenda as to why they want to hold you back. I mean, Mm. sometimes people say that they're just saying things like, um, oh, you know, um, it was for your own good, really, and Mm. all the rest of it. And they might well believe that that is the case, but you can allow it to just send you off track and then you don't fulfill that potential that you have. Yeah, I don't think people realise, and especially if it's a child as well, you know, impressionable. And if you're in authority somehow, um, like you said, like somebody who you're working with, they might was it a boss? Was it somebody who was yeah, slightly was my, more senior? It was my manager at the time, yeah. Yeah, and, and the same with me with my singing teacher. You know, I just took it as being, well, you're the expert, you know. I'd say pe- to people, have your gut feeling in your, you know, yourself, go with your intuition, go with what you think. And if your first instinct when somebody says something like that to you is actually no, then you're spurred on like you were to continue. Because if you'd taken what your manager had said to you, we would never have those amazing books published. It's having a trust in yourself, having a trust in your own instinct and your own having self-belief, which I think is really important. Yeah, I think no matter where you are on your journey, and if you're listening to this, this is one of the most important pieces of any jigsaw puzzle. That self-belief is a huge part of you being able to go on and achieve whatever it is that you want to do. Sarah, I could talk to you all day about this. I really (laughs) could because... I'm so passionate about everyone finding their next stage, their next, Mm. wherever that may be. And it may well be that you've had a very successful point, but you've decided to close that chapter. And now you're going on to the new chapter, but it's going to become even better because you do have that self-belief at your core and taking that forward with you. And I think what I've kind of taken from your story and everything else is, yes, you walked off your divorce on the Camino Way, but you also found yourself and you yeah. found that self-belief whilst you did it. 100%. If um, anyone's thinking about, well, 
you know, I'm going to become a landlord or, mm. you know, I'm I'm thinking about investing in property. What is the best way for me to become the best possible landlord that I actually can? How can they get in touch with mm, you? Come and talk to me because actually it's not as scary as you think it is. It's not as difficult as you think it is, but with a bit of guidance and a bit of support, I've got 25 years experience in this business. There is nothing I haven't seen or heard or done, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly. I just really want to support people as much as possible. So yeah, if there's any landlords out there who just want to have a conversation, come and reach out to me. My website is lessonsinlettings.com. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, any of the places you want to come and follow me. Um, just reach out. and We could just have a really nice conversation. And I would love to help you become an amazing landlord. I really, really would. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today on The Power of Storytelling. As you will have heard, as I've been speaking to Sarah, we've been talking about different topics. Now, all of that came about because we've already worked together and we've delved into Sarah's story. So if you're thinking, hang on a second, am I ready for PR, for being seen in a much bigger way through the media? Come and take our free quiz, pr-quiz.com, and you will get a free PDF report that will tell you the areas that you might need to improve on or the areas where you are just absolutely smashing it. Because at the end of the day, we're all about believing in you and you having as much self-belief as possible. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of the podcast, and we'll see you again next week.